ask everyone to please evacuate the synagogue. Active 1089, the threat says bombs will blow up tonight, Jews will die. They deserve to die. That's from the newest anti-Semitism commercial aired during Sunday's broadcast of the Oscars, showing the story of an American synagogue shortly after October 7th, receiving a death threat and then forcing the worshippers to evacuate the building in the middle of Sabbath services and right in the middle of a bar mitzvah ceremony. Then the church across the street saw what happened and invited them all in to complete the prayers in an act of kindness and solidarity. To get everybody and just come to our church. Except this ad was shot totally in Toronto by a Canadian director at a famous Toronto synagogue in the Kensington Market with real Jewish-Canadian rabbis in the cast. It was commissioned by the owner of the New England Patriots football team, philanthropist Robert Kraft, and his foundation to combat anti-Semitism as part of a new campaign to educate Americans to stand up to hate. Now, originally, the cast was told their ad, called Neighbors, was supposed to play during the Super Bowl last month. And we did a story about it then. It was supposed to run for 30 seconds at an estimated cost of $7 million for the spot. But officials ultimately chose to go with a different ad for the football telecast, one with Dr. Martin Luther King's speechwriter. The people involved assured the Canadians their work would be shown at a later date, And it's out now, and it got twice as much airtime. A 60-second version of the Bar Mitzvah story is now on YouTube and will air on the Oscars glitzy telecast. I really appreciate uh, what John Wyman, uh, the director, said, which is that the goal of such things is to affect or change hearts and minds. And it's really hard to know if we'll be able to do that. But in one of our conversations, he said, even if we affect and change one heart and mind, then this will all have been worth it. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Sunday, March 10th, 2024. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. The Oscars anti-Semitism ad will be seen by millions of viewers and online too. It's a call for tolerance and allyship by non-Jews towards Jews because of the spike in anti-Semitism in America since the Hamas attack on Israel and Israel's military response. The ad is ripped from the headlines. It's a true story of a synagogue in Massachusetts back in October. Eventually, the police gave the synagogue the all-clear and everybody returned to finish the prayers, but the act of fellowship and solidarity is what convinced Toronto rabbi Michael Dolgan to audition for the role of rabbi, and it also helps that he knows the director, John Wyman. He actually officiated at Wyman's bar mitzvah 25 years ago. Wyman wasn't giving interviews, but Rabbi Dolgan did. He joined me back in February from his Temple Sinai office with some of the behind-the-scenes scoop on what it was like filming at the Kiever Synagogue and acting alongside his colleague, Rabbi Cantor Aviva Reisky from Temple Habonim. Just note that at the time we did our interview, they all thought it was going to play during the Super Bowl. I was told that there was actually a Rabbi Dolgan, that role that was made for you specifically. So tell me how, how, how you got involved in this. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, what happened was, of course, that the Foundation for Combating Anti-Semitism has invested in making this commercial for the Super Bowl that tells a very important story. Uh, a story a week after the attack of 10-7 when there was a, a bat mitzvah that was interrupted by a bomb threat and a church next door invited them in. 
And that's the story that's told in the commercial. And as they often do to film this commercial, they went to Hollywood North uh, to here in Toronto and they put it out to a number of different directors to apply. And the director that they chose, I did his bar mitzvah in 1999. Um, and not only that, I had buried his grandmother in the last six months as well. Um, and so when he put out the the description looking for people to apply to be in the commercial as kind of an homage, I guess, he chose to name the rabbi Rabbi Dolgan, even though, of course, I'm not the rabbi in the story. And because of that, a number of people messaged him and said, well, if you called it Rabbi Dolgan, why don't you get the real Rabbi Dolgan? And people messaged me and said, why don't you apply to be yourself? Um, and so between those two things, uh, John reached out to me and I read for the part. And as I said, I didn't have to have an identity crisis because I got the part of me. Um, and uh, so then uh, a couple of weeks ago, We've spent two days filming the commercial here in Toronto. When you heard about this, what did you want to, to get out of this? Or, you know, what do you hope that it would do that convinced you you should do this? Or was it just for fun? <laughs> well, um, it wasn't just for fun, although how often does one have the opportunity uh, to be in a Super Bowl commercial? But hearing the nature of the story and being able to be part of telling a story when so much negativity, all the horrific stories are being told in the world right now and so few of the good stories. And so for me to have the opportunity to be in that story, and I don't think of myself exactly as a thespian, um, but uh, playing the part of a rabbi is something I do all the time. And they had said in the description that they were hoping to have Jewish people or even better real clergy participate. And so while it is also an exciting thing to do, I was excited to bring a little bit of authenticity and Jewish connection to what I think is a really important project. You said a moment ago that this was an actual bar mitzvah that had a bomb scare is that a true story or this was just made up? No, it's a completely true story. Um, it happened in uh, Attleboro, Massachusetts. And uh, this is, in fact, um, a retelling with minor alterations of a story that happened right after 10-7, a week later. And sad to say, I looked, uh, I even asked because many people here are like, well, then why didn't we hear about it? And the truth is that while this was the story that people really, I think, benefit from hearing, like many things, it didn't seem to be the story that the media was highly motivated to tell. It was not a secret. And if one uh, Googles it, you can find a few U.S. media um, pieces on the story. Nothing here in Canada even though, of course, the, that uh, Shabbat where uh, jihad had been called for by terrorist organizations was as frightening here in Canada as it was in the United States. Here in Ontario and in Montreal, there were actual uh, Molotov cocktails happening uh, at synagogues and at schools being shot up and in Toronto, bomb threats, uh, evacuations around that time, too. So whether we didn't hear about the, sh you know, the one in, in where you were mentioning, uh, it makes sense because everyone here was caught up in, in Winnipeg, too. The shots at a house. It was a very fraught time. And just so I remind our listeners, it seems like a million years ago, but it was actually not. 
No, absolutely. It was a fraught time uh, and there were a number of things happening. So it's a shame that there wasn't the bandwidth um, to share this story. And even if that's no one's fault in the time, I'm really glad that the Foundation Foundation for Combating Antisemitism chose to get this story out there now, because I I think the story has uh, something important to say. How did you prepare for your audition or did you have to audition even? Uh, yes, I did. I did audition for the part. I did a callback audition. And uh, there were a number of different um, things where related to the stories in the commercial, they asked us to improvise. Uh, us meaning I was one of, I know, a number of different actors and rabbis auditioned for the part. Um, and I just said the kinds of things that I would have said under th- these circumstances. Painfully, I can't think of a rabbi who hasn't thought about all these things. I mean, I just came to talk to you this afternoon, coming directly from an hour we had here at Temple Sinai with a police constable about live shooter drills in the building, because there isn't a synagogue that doesn't have to think about these issues. So while it was uh, extemporaneous, it's hardly something that I had to do an enormous amount of thinking about because sadly it's something we think about and I think about regularly. I mean, also your synagogue hosted the memorial service for uh, Judith Weinstein, Haggai too, uh, one of the Canadian uh, Israelis who were murdered by Hamas. So it's been... uh, front page, front of mind all right. these times. And we, we hosted that because Judy, when she lived in Toronto, was a member of Temple Sinai. Um, and because her 95-year-old mother is still a member of Temple Sinai. Uh, and so to have to talk to her, it, it, it makes what's going on anything but abstract. And while it, for most Jewish people, I don't think it's very abstract. Uh, it is important for people to have a, a sense of personal connection. On our, we still have daily um, minion streams every day, in addition to our in-person minion. And every day we show a video from the family forum as a reminder to keep the reality of what these captives are undergoing as front of mind as we deserve, so that we can do everything possible to bring them home. Okay, so you didn't have to rehearse. What did you have to wear? Did you have to... Like you were able to be a reform rabbi in this? Uh, the, the rabbi in the actual story was a reform rabbi. I don't remember her name at the moment. Um, and so I was glad that while I was cast at the rabbi as the rabbi, I'm glad that the cantor in the commercial is female because it maintains that egalitarian atmosphere in which this uh, unfortunate threat took place in the first place. Um, But no, as with uh, anything in front of a camera, um, I had to uh, take pictures in all of my different suits and with a whole bunch of different ties and send them the pictures so that they could choose what it is they wanted me to wear and which of my uh, mini talitot, which of my uh, which talis they wanted me to wear with it uh, so that they could choose the look. Okay, so how did it work? You went down. I hear it was at the Kiever Synagogue, not yours. That's correct. Those are actually the the two synagogues that they were considering at the end as the possible places to shoot it. We've had a a number of things shot here at Temple Sinai. Um, But uh, I understand they were going for a particular look. That's, again, not my uh, choice at all. Um, But they yeah, they they filmed the first day at the Kiever Synagogue and the second day at Humber Valley United. 
um, because this took place in a synagogue and a church, and so it was shot in a synagogue and a church. I hear it was so cold and you had to be evacuated, quote unquote, from the building. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. The the first night, the filming at the Kiever was really the coldest night that we've had so far this winter. And uh, in an emergency such as that, it's not like the rabbi or the cantor is going to stop and grab their coat. And so it's realistic that we would shoot it outside without coats. Um, And so we would line everybody up inside and go outside and shoot and then run everybody back in and reset and do it again. The bar mitzvah boy um, said by the end, his least favorite word in English is reset (laughs) because they kept wanting to shoot it as they do over and over and over again. And they gave people glove warmers and shoe warmers and shirts with batteries to help them be warm and all kinds of things they provided. But that first night was just terribly, brutally cold. And it was like minus whatever. Yeah, it was like minus, the wind chill was minus 17. So it was cold, but it's one night. Uh, and again, it's... It's an important uh, it's an important project. And so I was glad if frozen <laughs> to be part of it. So did he actually the bar mitzvah would have to really la- learn as, do a parsha and do lane real Torah or? Uh, yes, that he work? did. I don't know if that's going to be in the commercial itself because you don't know what's going to end up in there. But he was actually laning from Parashat Kedoshim, from the central portion in the Torah that's from uh, Leviticus that includes don't hate your neighbor in your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, And uh, so between those of us on set and Ellie Rubenstein beforehand, uh, all of us had a hand in choosing exactly what he was going to chant so that uh, it would, if it was in there, those who would understand it would see how it fit into the story. Liturgically, though, that week and that Parsha would not have been the same one that the actual Bar Mitzvah boy in the States had to chant, right? Or Correct. Would it, it, it was just to make it meaningful, just like the, 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 it was shot at night, whereas, of course, the Bat Mitzvah or Bar Mitzvah would have taken place during the day. A number of different creative choices are made in a commercial, and uh, those of us who were involved were just trying to assist them in having it be as grounded and as meaningful and feel as authentic Jewishly as it could within the choices they were making. So there are things that, like, for example, you couldn't say the name of God, you would say Hashem and no, things like that? No, no, we like wouldn't that? say Hashem. We would do it as if it was in uh, a shul. Um, that, no issue with that. And uh, that's something, again, you want it to feel authentic, and that immediately changes the feel of it. And again, uh, from my perspective, uh, the four-letter name is not Adonai. That's what we say in place of the four-letter name. And I can't think of a more mitzvah-related purpose for um, chanting a, a Torah than uh, doing it in this kind of a commercial. Uh, well, I will mention that the, the, um, the Torah that we used was a Torah that is real but is aged and is no longer ritually kosher. So that way no one should think that we in any way were mistreating, which we wouldn't have, uh, or dishonoring a Torah scroll in the making of the commercial. There were a number of things like that that were done to make Give me another one. respect for Jewish tradition and Jewish objects. Give me one more of those. 
please. Uh, one more of those things that uh, shows uh, respect. I, I think the fact that they had any actual Hebrew chanting in it to begin with, um, the fact that they uh, had a boy um, learn uh, lines in order to do that, um, that we made sure that even though the um, the Torah scroll is no longer properly fit for ritual use, we made sure uh, any moment that it wasn't being read, that it was covered, um, and so that it was treated respectfully, um, those kind of examples. So you usually have maybe a thousand eyes on you, maybe more during a Shabbat online, maybe less. You're going to have maybe how many people watching this commercial on Super Bowl plus on YouTube, because they always release them online. Right. How do you deal with that? I'm like any rabbi these days because of the reality of the digital times that we live in. Uh, I'm there on YouTube and I remember doing a, a baby naming uh, at this summer and the older brother, Kyle, was so excited that I was coming because he thought Rabbi Dolgan is only on TV. So do so I have so the experience funny. of being in something this massive in a Super Bowl commercial? No, certainly not. But it's fun and it's exciting. And uh, again, I'm, I'm happy to take part in it, not because I'm looking for a new day job, quite happy with the one I have, um, but because I think it's meaningful that it would be you know, real Jewish clergy that would be involved in the clergy roles in a project like this. You got paid, I assume. Yes. What are you going to do with it? <laughs> um, what am I going to do with it? Uh, I don't know that I'm going to do anything specific uh, with it. It's not, uh, you know, we're not uh, Leo DiCaprio, um, and this wasn't uh, a union role. No, it's so 300 while I was bucks, paid, it's, 300 not, it's bucks, not a huge right? amount of money. It's, uh, you know, going to use it in ways that I think are meaningful. So you had a talkie, not just a walkie. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I, I was... It's nice to, to be there. And, you know, while I'm a proud Canadian, I'm originally from the States, so I'm glad that my family will have a chance to see that. That'll be exciting. All right. So who are you going to cheer for, Chiefs or the other ones? <laughs> the Chiefs or San Francisco? Um, I, I don't uh, have a, a strong connection to either, although uh, one of my closest friends from university, who's also a rabbi, uh, grew up in Kansas City. He's a huge Chiefs fan. So uh, for his benefit, I'll, I'll cheer for them. Anything else you want to share with our listeners about um, this commercial and what it's hoped that when people see it, what impact do you think it'll have on them? So much that's going on now seems to focus on um, conflict and on hate, and there is no lack of that to go around. But there's so many uh, good people who are really just dedicated to the kind of values that bring our society and uh, our tradition and others together. And so I really hope that it does change and affect some hearts and minds and remind people that there is more that unites us than divides us and that part of what ought to unite us are whatever we may think uh, about these kinds of difficult world issues, that here in our communities, in Toronto, in Canada, in North America, uh, we ought to express ourselves but do so with 
basic human respect for one another and for the rule of law um, and for those kind of guides that allow all of us to express ourselves but to live unthreatened in society. And if it moves us in that direction, then I'll have been very proud to participate in it. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. The Canadian anti-Semitism ad changed up the real bomb scare story a little bit. The real rabbi was a woman, not a man, and it was a bat mitzvah, not a bar mitzvah. And though the authorities didn't find any bombs in the original threat back in October and there were no arrests, that synagogue was still a target of hate. In February, police in Massachusetts arrested a 59-year-old local resident for leaving menacing phone messages. He's been charged and held in custody pending a bail hearing. Prosecutors alleged his voicemail included statements that alluded to the ongoing war in Gaza, such as, quote, if you can bomb their effing places of worship, we can bomb yours. If you can kill their children, we can kill yours. End the genocide, or it's time to end Israel and all the Jews, unquote. We put the link to the new anti-Semitism ad in our show notes, as well as a link to the long feature story that I wrote on the CJN.ca, explaining why the director's Holocaust survivor grandfather, Ernie Weiss, inspired his winning pitch. Thanks for listening to the CJN Daily.